After I was born again in 1975, in the night while sleeping, I was transported into heaven and was merged into the body of Christ, made one with the Word of God. God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. I saw no physical images. It was strictly a spiritual experience. I had no idea what it meant. I was a new Christian, and I really thought this happened to everybody who was a Christian. A few nights later, the exact same thing happened to me a second time. At that time, I was reading a book entitled Exodus. And the author said sometimes when someone has a call on his life, God will do some strong supernatural action. I came to believe several years later that it was at this time that God sent me into the ministry. The first church that I went to when I was a young person was Church of Christ. And of course they taught, let women keep silence in the church, 1 Corinthians 14. It's not permitted for them to speak. I did not question this. I had no thought whatsoever of ever being a minister. So after God showed me that I was to be a minister in two of the ministry offices, apostle and prophet, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. After he showed me this, I brought 1 Corinthians 14 before God, and I said, how can I be a minister as a woman? Let's look at what Paul said. 1 Corinthians 14, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. So I said to God, well, what about this scripture? Instantly, he said to me by the Holy Spirit, look at what these women were doing in this passage of scripture that Paul wrote about. I reread it, thinking of, well, what were these women doing? Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. I think these women were interrupting the gathering of the church, by asking questions. For Paul said, and if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. Women have a way of getting attention drawn to them by asking questions. I totally agree with Paul. This is out of order in the gathering of the church. I've been in a church service once. I was visiting, trying to find a church that I could attend. 
I was visiting this non-denominational church. The pastor was teaching the Sunday school class. All of a sudden, a woman in the church group jumped up from her seat, waved her arms in the air, said, praise God, praise God, praise God. And she began running around the seated area in the congregation. And people were laughing. Apparently, this was a common thing for her to do. And they thought it was the Spirit of God causing her to do this. The pastor even thought it was the Spirit of God. I was horrified. I didn't bring any correction. I was simply a visitor that day. But I got in my car and left that church, and I said to God, this can't be right. This woman, this wasn't the Spirit of God. This has to be out of order. Had I been in charge, I would have stopped her. And I would have said, this is not the Spirit of God. For the works of the Spirit of God are done to edify the church. And there's nothing edifying at all in a woman jumping up, waving her arms in the air, running around the congregation, breaking up the teaching, breaking up the flow of the Spirit of God. And I would have stopped it. For the Spirit of God wouldn't do this. And God reminded me of a scripture at the end of 1 Corinthians 14. It's verse 40. Paul is speaking concerning what is appropriate in the gathering of the church. And in verse 40, he said, Let all things be done decently and in order. Let all things in the gathering of the church be done decently and in order. And this was not in order. I would have stopped that woman had I been in charge of that church service. The works of the Spirit of God. He teaches us all things. He reminds us of everything that Jesus has said. He guides us into all truth, and he shows us things to come. He does not take over and disrupt the church service. If you want to look at the works of the Spirit of God that I just quoted, it's in John chapter 14, verse 26, and John chapter 16, verse 13. So that's the first thing that God showed me about this scripture, is the women in this gathering of the church, were out of order, I believe, asking questions, disrupting the church service. You have to remember also, at that period of time of the early church, the churches were meeting in homes. Now, it would even be more likely that they would disrupt the church service in a home, although what I've just described to you was in a church building, and there must have been a couple of hundred people at that service when that woman jumped up and interrupted the pastor and ran around the building shouting, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! And they all thought it was the Holy Spirit. It was another spirit that took over. Another thing that God brought to my attention when I asked him, what about this thing of women speaking in the church? 
is that the evangelist Philip had four daughters who did prophesy. Acts 21, verse 9. And these four daughters who did prophesy. Prophecy is for the church, not for the world, for the church. In order to prophesy, God was, at least I think this is what God was saying to me, in order to prophesy to the church, these women had to speak. I was in a Sunday school class for several years at a church in Dallas. And our teacher would always say at the end of the service, does anyone have a word from the Lord? At that point, any one of us who had a word from God, whether we were male or female, we were permitted to speak that word, and it was appropriate to speak that word. And he never failed to ask this. When a woman has a word from the Lord and an invitation is given to speak that word, I believe it is totally proper and in order in the gathering of the church. It's very interesting to me because I attended that church for at least four years. It was Word of Faith in Dallas. Robert Tilton was a pastor. I attended it for at least four years, and not once did Bob ever invite anyone to give a word from the Lord at the 11 o'clock service. The main service was totally closed to the Spirit of God speaking through the congregation. He never invited anyone to give a word from the Lord. Well, during that 11 o'clock service, not once did God ever give me a word from the Lord, but Invariably, at the Sunday school class, God would give me a word. And frankly, I would sit there and think, oh, I hope Don forgets to ask that today. He never once forgot. He would say, does anyone have a word from the Lord? Then I was obligated to present the word that I had heard from God. I mean, I just don't even remember a time I didn't have a word. It got to the point, the minute Don said, does anyone have a word word from the Lord, he and everyone in the class would look at me. And sure enough, I would have one. If it is proper to present it, God gives it, I believe. But if the pastor is not going to invite anyone to give it, I don't believe God would give you a word to interrupt the church service. I've never seen it done, and I've certainly never experienced it. And in this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, Paul is speaking about what is to happen when we gather as the church. Verse 26, 1 Corinthians 14. How is it then, brethren, when ye come together? Every one of you hath a psalm. That also means prayer. Hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. So it wasn't the kind of church service that we're used to seeing today, where they have a pulpit and a barrier around the pulpit, and people are basically sitting there listening to the pastor. 
it was a church service, a gathering of the church, where God was free to speak by the Holy Spirit through whoever he willed, but all things had to be edifying. So it's a totally different service than we see today. It's really more like that Bible class was. And that's what I know the church is supposed to be. It was never supposed to be entertainment. It was never supposed to be choirs and music where you entertain the people. It was supposed to be by the Spirit of God, not a performance. And it was supposed to be where the Holy Spirit was free to speak. I often sat in church services at 11 o'clock, the main church service, and I would think, if Jesus Christ were here in the flesh, he would not be permitted to speak at this church. For only the approved people, the people approved by the pastor and the other people in charge, sitting on the platform. Only those people are approved to speak. Jesus would not even be approved to speak at the church by the way this church is set up. So it's a sad thing to me, but that's endured for 40 some odd years. So when God showed me I was to be a minister, this is what I believe he showed me about that church group that Paul was dealing with in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and that the women were interrupting the service, and he was stopping them, and I would stop them too. And then he reminded me of the four daughters of Philip the Evangelist who were prophets, and prophets bring messages to the church they have to speak. And God reasoned with me with these examples. And then I was reminded of a third thing, Deborah. In the Old Testament Bible, Deborah judged the nation of Israel. She was a prophet. She was also married. And she judged Israel. She even told the captain of the army to go to war. And he said, I will go if you'll go with me. And she said, I'll go with you. And she went with the captain of the army to fight a battle. That's a woman, a married woman. Judges chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lephidoth, she judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah, between Ramah and Bethel, in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. She was a prophetess. And God reminded me of her to get me to do the work that I do today. So unless you are turned to God strongly, As you read a scripture, you can put everybody in bondage. At the Church of Christ, they do not allow any instrumental music in the church. And they use a scripture, and I'll read that scripture to you. It's Ephesians 5, verse 19. 
speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And whoever set up the Church of Christ decided you're not supposed to have instrumental music in the church. You're to sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. So they have only a cappella singing, which is singing without instruments. Now we remember David praising God, and he praised God with all kinds of instruments. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music, melody in your heart to the Lord. Well, if you made melody in your heart to the Lord, you wouldn't even have to sing. You could do that by just sitting there with your mouth closed. No, this is a scripture read by the eyes of men. And the whole church for decades and generations was put in bondage to this scripture. But many other scriptures they were put in bondage to also. In one of the favorite scriptures of the Church of Christ, it says, Repent and be baptized. And they cut off the whole second half of that scripture, which says, And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, they print this at Church of Christ on their literature, and they print it this way. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remissions of sins, period. And they do not put, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, because they don't believe in the Holy Ghost. It's sad, but this happens in churches. They use scripture, and they use it by natural eyes, and not by the Spirit of God. And then, if it conflicts with their doctrine in any way, they just change the scripture. I've seen this many times at churches. So unless you are willing to have your eyes opened by the Holy Spirit as you read a scripture, you can misinterpret a scripture. Here's one that's often misinterpreted. It's Matthew chapter 24. The disciples came to Jesus. They mentioned about the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Jesus is speaking of the end times, when God destroys the heaven and earth. And all the things that we can see with our natural eye are destroyed by God. You can read about that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. And as he, Jesus, sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? 
And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. First time I read that scripture, I thought it meant that many people would come saying they were Christ and deceive many. And then God opened my eyes to realize they were coming saying, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Christ. And they would deceive many. Once again, that's verses 4 and 5. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And he was telling us that in the end time, there would be many people that confess Jesus is Lord. And they would deceive many because when you say Jesus is Lord, the Christians might listen to you. And there will be ministers who do that, and there will be individuals who do that. And Jesus is saying they will deceive many, but you take heed that no man deceive you, for in the end times this will happen. So unless you are seeing Scripture by the Spirit of God and comparing Scripture with Scripture, then you have a risk of misinterpreting scripture. One of the first scriptures that I remember God showing me was James chapter 1 verse 5, which says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. And I read quite a few of the writings of Solomon in Proverbs and I read those Proverbs and about the wisdom and how much Solomon talked about wisdom being from God. And I believed it. And I took my Bible at that time, and over each chapter of the Bible, I wrote, pray for wisdom, because I didn't want to forget to pray for wisdom. My cleaning woman was a Catholic woman, and they had been taught, that Catholic lay people shouldn't read the Bible. She saw me reading the Bible. She came to me and said, aren't you afraid to read the Bible? Well, she has a point, because if you read it with natural eyes, you may misinterpret it. But I also know that we should read the Bible, because look at Second Timothy chapter 3. Verses 16, 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We correct ourselves by the scriptures. We correct our doctrine by the scriptures. So we should read the scriptures, but I think we should ask for wisdom. I think we should be willing for God to lead us in the scriptures. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let's look at that. In 1975, after I was born again, 
my best friend said, Joni, you've got to go to church. And I said, I do? And she said, yes. So I began going to church. And I would find them preaching things that weren't in the Bible or that were totally opposite from the Bible. One of the scriptures was in this concerning Antichrist. For they were teaching at church that there was only one Antichrist and that he was coming through the governments of men. And they were speculating. Who is Antichrist? Oh, it's so-and-so. It's such-and-such. I read the novel War and Peace at that time, Tolstoy, Russian novel. And at that time, the people of Russia thought the Antichrist was Napoleon because he was attacking Russia. And I thought, well, it looks like they'd think Antichrist was Hitler. And one woman said to me, no, because Antichrist comes speaking peace. Well, she was referring to a section of scripture in Daniel. But she didn't know anything about Hitler because he was always speaking peace, like at Munich to the prime minister of England and France, when he convinced them that he wanted peace, when all the time he was preparing for war. But anyway, is Antichrist one person? And does he come through governments of men? We have two sections of scripture that explain this. There shouldn't even be a debate in churches about this. If you look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, a falling away. God said to me, the falling away are not people leaving churches. It's churches leaving scripture. Then in verse 4, Paul says, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Antichrist was coming through the churches. Antichrist was even there in the days of Paul and the Apostle John. 1 John chapter 2. This was after the crucifixion of Jesus and after the resurrection of Jesus. And John was speaking to the church. And in verse 18 of 1 John chapter 2. John said, Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. There were already many Antichrists in the church group. Now they had solid doctrine in the church group at that time. And these Antichrist people would not put up with the church doctrine. So they went off and started other denominations where they could speak their own doctrine. Paul spoke about this subject to the elders at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20. Paul knew that he was going to be taken off the earth and he would never see the church at Ephesus again. So he called the elders of the church at Ephesus together. And in Acts chapter 20, he spoke to them. And he said, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing 
the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. This is the denominations that we see today where they spoke doctrines that were not of Christ and set up their own church groups. This is Acts 20, verses 29 and 30. If you compare Scripture with Scripture, you see many things. And that's what God taught me to do, is pay attention to the Holy Spirit and what He says, and compare Scripture with Scripture, and allow God to show you the truth. And pray for wisdom about Scripture. Hopefully we have a good heart. And if we have a good heart and pray for wisdom, I believe God will give us wisdom. One time a woman came to my house to, she cut toenails for older people, and she came and cut my toenails. And then she found out I was a church person. And she told me about her father, who was a very strict person. And she said to me something about tongues. And she asked me about tongues. And I said, well, Paul said, forbid not to speak with tongues. And she said, oh, boy. She said, did, did you say Paul said to forbid tongues in the church? And I said, no, no, no. I said, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, for the church not to forbid the speaking in tongues. She was trying to get ammunition to attack her father's doctrine. He was a Pentecostal person. Her heart was not good. If your heart is good, I believe God will show you the truth. But if you're just trying to attack another church person and try to get ammunition from the Bible to attack someone, God might let you continue in deception. It's a very serious matter to handle scriptures. It's a very serious matter to read the Bible. And I think we should pray for God to give us wisdom as we read the scriptures. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.